don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. If you're creating content that people like, keep giving it to them. We were joined by David Hill, account manager at Acast and previously of Spotify, to talk about how podcast consumption has changed post-COVID-19. Yes, David is a major authority on podcasting and his company Acast have done a lot of research recently into how COVID-19 has affected the podcasting landscape. On this episode, we spoke about why having no sport hasn't been a problem for podcasters, how Spotify will recuperate the money it spent on Joe Rogan's podcast, and whether or not discoverability is still an issue. If it's super niche, it's only ever going to be a few thousand people who listen to you. But if you manage to get a few thousand in a really niche vertical, then that means you're a massive success. All this and more coming up. What has COVID-19 disruption meant for podcasting? Uh, Great question. It sounds wrong to say this because I'm mindful of everyone else who's had, you know, that it's been a really negative impact. And and, and as we've discussed, it has had a negative impact on on us as a company to some extent. But I I would say overall, podcasting has has really benefited in in, in many ways from the lockdown experience. People have discovered podcasting for the first time. And and, and those who are already listening to podcasting have discovered new content. We as a business have been talking, um, you know, about how how it's impacted, you know, people's consumption. And we, we have seen some patterns emerge, which has been really interesting in terms of Initially, when it started, you know, like everyone, I kind of relate this to my own personal experience. You know, there was a thirst for news. I was consuming, you know, Five Live was always on in the background. I was watching the news every night. Uh, And that was reflected in the podcasting world where a lot of the publishers were producing podcasts. The Economist, for example, is a great example. It's one of Acast's partners, uh, you know, brilliant content. And I was kind of dialing into their coverage of COVID and the impact. And and that was reflected in in, in what we saw. But then as... um, as time's gone on, people have started to look for other content. So comedy has seen a big increase. So I, th- I think people still want to know what's happening, but they don't need to know every half hour. I was going to say and, then, and, David, uh, news, news aside, have you seen, is that saying you've seen consumption go up as well in terms of yeah, podcasting? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was trying to get the right stats. So in the UK, we've seen a 7% increase on listens across ACAR podcasts um, during the lockdown period. So, yeah, more people are listening. That's interesting. I mean, I guess on the flip side of that, people are obviously turning to consuming more content when they've got more time on their hands and they're looking to upskill and and things like that. But I wonder, like, from an um, advertiser perspective, how has podcasting been hit, like, from a revenue standpoint? Because, you know, despite the fact that people may be tuning in more to different types of content, everyone here will be very well aware of the fact that a lot of advertisers have reduced spending or even cut ads at one point. So how has that had impact yeah and, and we're not immune to that uh, we, we've just done our q3 target setting process uh, and reviewing what happened in q2 and yeah what we did see uh, and, and rightly so lots of advertisers were you know putting the brakes on all their spending mm. uh, and even though more people listen to podcasts it still meant lots of brands were cutting spend deferring spend pausing spend it, i was just on a call with a client this morning and and, and she works for a th- well one of her clients is a theater business you know and, mm. and clearly that business has no options at the moment uh, yeah. until until they can do something. So what we've seen, I suppose, is that advertisers who are still advertising, there potentially have been uh, routes they would have normally advertised on pre-lockdown, yeah. uh, which aren't now relevant to them. So they are now exploring uh, podcast advertising as an option. 
Mm. We've also seen uh, certain verticals who were spending with us now spending even more. Um, mm. So there's been some interesting patterns. I mean, the government has been spending, you know, everywhere in terms of making sure the message, uh, you know, gets out to people. So government spending has been increasing. Yeah, of course. But equally, uh, what we have seen, and it kind of reflects, I suppose, what we've seen where I talked about how comedy and entertaining podcasts have, have, have had an increase. Mm. But the entertainment brands, so Now TV, Apple TV, Amazon, have all been increasing their spend. They've seen a massive increase in people looking for new entertainment solutions so taking out subscriptions to now tv and things like that and bbc they've been doing a lot of spend with us as well so i think that's one space where we've seen a lot of increase from advertising increase yeah i mean with with that does podcasting really need advertising to be successful like how um how necessary is it to um, like keeping podcasts afloat, that advertising revenue? You take it back to basics, podcasting, and this is any any person who works in podcasting with taste, you know, podcasting starts from a passion. You know, people want to share their story and, and it's a great way for people to listen and engage uh, with the story that people want to share. And there really is, uh, you know, podcast content out there for everyone. I, and I, I, I tell this story as I was at a podcast conference in Manchester. It was uh, Q4 last year, sat next to a lady and she produces a bird watching podcast and so that kind of you know epitomizes you know there's content for everyone yeah but you know in terms of like from the revenue perspective i think as, as that passion project grows there starts to become a bigger audience and there starts to become bigger sort of um commitments i suppose then it's like well some people are like well i want to carry on doing this but it now means it's something i have to dedicate one day a week to so do i stop working one day a week and do this and so i think that's where it there's a tipping point probably where it comes uh, for most people in terms of how can I make some money from this? You know, I suppose the comedy vertical, you know, the comedians are very good at, one, getting a large audience usually uh, and, and looking at how to make money. So that's where they're sort of keen to maybe monetize it. Yeah, definitely. But I guess there are other ways of monetizing your podcast outside of advertising. So it's maybe not as reliant on it as some other channels, perhaps. Yeah, I know. I mean, people are using the Patreon model. I suppose what a podcast does, it allows you to talk to an audience, doesn't it, really, and create that relationship. And then from there, uh, and rightly so, you know, the um, the hosts are then looking at, I guess, all the avenues, how they can monetize it. And I think it's fair to say, you know, that some podcasters love the relationship they have and don't want to, you know, let advertising, you know, involved in the, in the show. Yeah, that's but, it, isn't know, it? No one wants to sell out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I suppose what Acast exists, really, is to help those who want to explore the routes that allow them to monetize the content. You know, mm. so we, we can serve ads into the podcast, so dynamically insert ads. That's one route to revenue generation. And then we can create sponsored, well, the host create a sponsored read. So that's another route. And I know of, of several podcasters who don't want to take any revenue from ads, but are more than happy to work with brands that they're happy to work with delivering sponsored reads so i guess you're right it's kind of what they're comfortable with and, and david as well on on that i mean obviously you know there wouldn't be any advertising if podcasting wasn't so popular in the first place mm. can you kind of put that into context for a second why why is in 2020 podcasting so popular why has consumption risen why are we because of covid19 why are we not just listening to music instead a lot more why is it why is mm. podcasting the kind of catalyst yeah so i think you can kind of rewind it you know the podcasting is having well podcasting has been around for ages hasn't it you know since the ipod came around it's been there but it's only recently that it's had this rapid growth why has it had this rapid growth i think that there's you know there's probably a couple of reasons you could pinpoint definitely more but i would argue that we are now a streaming generation spotify has led the way you know and i work there so i can kind of talk with some knowledge in terms of 
becoming a mainstream solution for people to listen to music and to be really comfortable with streaming. That's something people become familiar with in how to, to consume that music content. Then I think it's enabled that sort of audio discovery experience to go from listening to music to other things that you can stream. So, you know, audio books uh, and then podcasting um, all kind of follow on from that initial discovery of music. There's also, I would argue, sort of, you know, publishers would normally have one route to market, but as publishers now have to make sure their content's pushed out across multiple feeds, they're probably exploring new areas that they can deliver content. And The Economist, you know, we mentioned, right, that's a brilliant example, if I'm honest, and we work with The Guardian as well. They're content machines. They started off as a print business, and then their business has diversified, and they're always looking for new routes to deliver that content. And majority of times, if they're finding new audiences, it allows them to generate new revenue, certainly for the likes of, you know, the publishers. So, there are people who are delivering new content in new ways that people go, actually, I would never buy a newspaper. But, you know, I love what The Economist do now, The Guardian do with their podcast content. And talking of content machines, obviously, uh, one platform that hasn't got the uh, memo about not spending in COVID-19 has been uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who I read an article yeah. that said, you know, they've been steaming ahead with their strategy, uh, even bringing, mm-hmm. obviously, some famous podcasts um, to the platform, including Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Are they- and Kim Kardashian. And now yes. video podcasts. Are they are they yeah, on yeah. course to becoming you know the the sort of Facebook of podcasting now? Because again, um, this is the sort of situation that kind of like really shone the attention on Spotify. Like you said, it seems like a great opportunity. Yeah. So Spotify's goal is is to be able to deliver all your audio solutions. So it's not just a music machine. So podcasting was always part of the strategy. And you know, for what Spotify is doing, you know, its ultimate goal is to grow its user base. And so by bringing an exclusive like Joe Rogan, the strategy they're going down in terms of signing these exclusives uh, is to help deliver new content to its audience base, but also to help in terms of its sort of customer retention and acquisition strategies. And, you know, the sums of money, you know, since we last spoke, yeah, you're right, uh, you know, Joe Rogan, I think was 100 million. Uh, I don't think the figure's been sort of declared about the Kardashians. And then there's a lot of money flying around and there's a lot of money that needs to be recouped as well. And I think, you know, sort of the market is waiting to see how they recoup the revenue from the money they've been shelling out, which is astronomical figures. So I suppose it may be a case that it's not just adding new premium subscribers and whatnot, uh, you know, to pay for all of that, like you say, you know, how, how will they recoup this? It's a two-sided approach, really. You know, it, you know, signing up new customers who pay for the premium model, but then giving the free model, you know, greater um, audience and, and opportunities to sell. So they'll be looking how they can monetize it from you know, getting Joe Rogan to do a sponsored read to how many more customers they add who sign up because they now want to make sure they don't miss Joe Rogan's content. It's interesting that podcasting has become uh, the real sort of commodity at the moment. And just I'm wondering, Mm. obviously, all that attention on podcasting creators will obviously see a benefit. How has the creative community, creator community, sorry, specifically, how have they been affected uh, in terms of COVID-19? So there have been challenges. People have had to get used to doing what we're doing now. Now, people will have been recording podcasts like this obviously all the while but the best way is to be in a studio with the perfect audio setup i've seen pictures on twitter where people have been fashioning booths out of what was it last night it's like a christmas tree stand cardboard and a rug you know to find the acoustic solution yeah they've had to get around that and then there's been podcasters where their content that they were talking about was really available pre-lockdown and then it suddenly changes now Sport is a really obvious thing to talk about because there are some huge football podcasts out there and and suddenly the football world stops and, and then they, they've not 
got the content to talk about. So they've had to, to just to pivot their shows and find new content solutions to talk about. Out of interest, obviously, because I it may surprise you, I don't really follow sports, but with no sports or events, then how are creators of sport podcasts, how have they been pivoting for content then? What kind of stuff have they been offering instead? And how have audiences responded to that as well? So I think the example I give, and anyone who's listened to this can relate, has been what Match of the Day have done, actually. And that's exactly what the podcast world has done. So what Match of the Day suddenly had no content to talk about. So what they then started to do was to sort of talk about specific events or specific teams or specific players or specific positions you know and the perfect goalkeeper or your top 10 goalkeepers I'm no authority to talk about football but that's what they've had to do you know what can we do to to put content out there that is still rewarding for our listeners and when I talked about how we've got Podcasts for every audience, and, and and you can categorize them into different audience verticals. So I talked about we saw spikes in news and in comedy, uh, but sport saw saw a drop, uh, but that has come back up. Interesting. So like from from the data that you've got, audiences didn't mind the fact that the sports podcasts were no longer delivering content that they're used to. I think some of them were like, mm, this isn't what I normally tune in to listen to. It's not quite my thing. And probably I'd imagine the creators were then kind of getting used to having to talk about something they wouldn't, you know, it's still football, but it's not the sort of thing they'd normally talk about. Yeah. And then I think what's happened is, is there's probably a bit of both people yearning for some football content and going, oh, it's not quite what I normally like, but I'm going to listen to it. Maybe it just takes them a while to get used to something different as well, see if they like Absolutely. it. Yeah. Another sort of interesting thing, we talk about, you know, creators and the impact has been most podcasts, it's fair to say, run, you know, on seasons. And some podcasters, you know, would now be in an off season because they've done 12, 15, you know, whatever episodes and they'd be having a month off. I can think of multiple different, you know, messages I've seen where they said, actually, this this host is now going to run for the rest of the year because some people would maybe have TV projects, other projects lined up that now aren't going to take place or others have just said, yeah, I, I'm just going to keep going. That's interesting. So do you think that's a direct result of more attention or that the hosts have more spare time? Um yeah, a bit of both. I'm thinking about one specific one where I won't name him because it's not fair, but he did a podcast last year and then he got in touch and said, you know what? I got loads of great people in my black book that I can speak to and I'm not doing anything for the next three months. So I'm going to get my podcast going. And, and he then got in touch and said, you know, from a commercial perspective, said, would there be any revenue you could help me generate a cast mm. if I was to record this series? That's interesting. It's almost like demand and supply instead of the other way around. A little bit. Yeah. And, and some have said, um, if we bring our season forward, you know, some had some episodes in the can, so to speak. And then got in touch and said, what will the impact be if we bring it forward? And others said, what will the impact be if we if we push it back? In the future, when actors and whoever eventually get back to their schedules, hmm. could you see, uh, you know, these increases in listenership um, increase and still sort of carry on that trajectory? Or are these kind of trends that maybe we'll see in COVID-19 and then as things get back to normal, you know, the content landscape maybe becomes a bit more splintered? The consumption pattern will change. Audio tends to be, it has these real peaks at the beginning beginning and the end of the day, you know, when people are commuting to work. And as we slowly, you know, come out of the lockdown period and people are being allowed back into, you know, retail and back into offices, we'll see those spikes emerge again. So there'll be an increase in people listening at the beginning and at the end of the day. And I think it's probably realistic that every business that's seen an increase in consumption, so whether it's TV programmes, radio shows or podcasts, will see a change and most likely, you know, a, a drop 
in audience figures as it probably readjusts, if that makes sense, to sort of, you know, post lockdown relaxing. But I think I think overall, we'll probably see that more people have discovered it and continue. Maybe it'll just be in different verticals. Maybe it won't be so much news and maybe comedy. Yeah, they might have found something new that they liked. I mean, just touching on the fact you've just mentioned, obviously, commuter times have been a massive thing for podcasters. It's sort of something everyone knows that that's roughly when a lot of people listen. But how has that spike changed the past three months? When when does the data say people have been listening instead? So, so basically, we, we can see people are waking up and then it sort of just plateaus across the day till about five, six o'clock, really. That's interesting. Um, and there's a drop in listening at weekend, but there always has been. That's interesting. So it's not like everyone's just suddenly like flock to, I don't know, like lunchtime or two o'clock. It's sort of more as and when. I genuinely think podcasting is brilliant. It's hugely engaging. One of the biggest challenges I have around podcasting is I really find I can't do anything else, you know, when I'm listening to it. I always find, you know, that if I'm trying to work on, do some work, I yeah. get distracted by what's going on in the podcast. So yeah, then definitely. I'm I couldn't of... I couldn't work while I was listening. But you know things like driving, running, cooking. Absolutely. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Much. Things where you're not, you're not as uh, interrupted. And I suspect the subject matter changes quite a lot as well, David. I'm just looking back at some of the uh, ACAS figures that you sent over. So for instance, uh, if we take a sample week uh, a few months ago, 20 to the 26th of April, we saw consumption of news and politics, the category go up. I think it was um, 5%, which is uh, which was the most of any sort of category. And it strikes me that these these sort of changes happen around big government events, obviously, you know, like lockdown restrictions yeah. being lifted and stuff. I'm just trying to paint a picture of what that might look like post-COVID-19. Might, might we get an influx of loads of podcasts talking about a new normal and, you know, and how we adapt to this and kind of... Yeah, I think we'll see, you know, right now, now the football season started, if we were to delve into the data, we'd see a big spike in, in football podcast listening across the whole market because we've got this influx or, or concentration, sorry, isn't it? Uh, of football matches over the next few weeks. So there'll be definitely be a spike there. The host from Bake Off, Sandy Toxvig, I hope I'm pronouncing her name properly. She's taken the initiative and launched a podcast that's just kind of helping people get through lockdown. Is it's one we're working with called We Will Get Through This or Get Past This? Mm, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, I think we maybe chatted about it before actually. Um she might say, you know what, this has been a great experience. We've helped put some commercial deals together for her. So um, it might be something she said, and she's doing it daily, I think. She might now say, you know what, this is great. I've got an audience uh, that are interested and maybe I'll revert to doing this weekly now rather than daily as we come out of lockdown. Yeah, see, that interests me because something like that for me is not like specific enough to be sustainable. Like what if there's, you know, what when there's nothing else to get through? Like what sort of content would that deliver? But I think we have been seeing an increase in other types of content, not just podcasting, in like the specific areas that have been more of a focus in lockdown. So things like health and fitness and cooking and things like that. Those are things that have a little bit more longevity. So uh, do you see more podcasters perhaps reaching in to niches like that? Yeah, I mean, health and wellness, the mental challenges, you know, if someone's been self-isolating on their own for the last three months, you know, just looking at four walls, that's a, that's a tough place to be. And so I think, you know, people have been looking for things that they can do to help them through. 
definitely that health and wellness vertical. They've been producing a lot of content to, to help people through the lockdown mm. experience. Yeah, it's an element of discovery as well, isn't it? So people who might not have engaged with that kind of stuff before are doing. Yeah, there's one podcast, Feel Better Live More, which is which is one of my favourites with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Now, he interviewed an athlete, but an ex-prisoner, John McAvoy, I think his name is. But that was fascinating because what John McAvoy talks about was when he was in prison, he was in solitary confinement for a year. And so he he then was able to share his experience of, in effect, self-imposed isolation during his time in prison, uh, how he coped with that, but also it then took him on this journey of rehabilitation. It was a fascinating podcast. And, and he's done two episodes now uh, on this Feel Better, Live More, where he's talked about his experiences relevant to relevant to COVID. This is what I find yeah. interesting about podcasting as well, David. And I suspect one of the main things that separates it from TV is that it seems to be uh, a lot more sensitive to what's going on. It's not like a it's TV show. It's people's maybe. personal experiences, isn't it? Yeah, mm. exactly that. And, it, and it's like, it's it doesn't... Uh, it's not like a TV show that might take a year, a year and a half to produce. We, yeah. I, I believe the three of us could have a an idea for a podcast. I'm sure it'd be much easier to get on air now, you know, and sort of hit the ground running yeah. with it, really. Yeah, that's what I love about it. You can literally feel like you're sat there, you know, next to the person listening to what they're saying. It's so much more intimate. From the advertising perspective, when brands, are, you know, find that real right partnership with a podcaster who really matches the brand identity and the audience really buy into what the podcast is talking about then you've got a really good commercial solution there i mean do you think it's possible for brands to have that same relationship with an audience as the podcaster not just the sponsor of a podcast gosh it's probably harder to achieve like feel better live more and i think it's some more but he works with this shoe brand vibro barefoot i think it's it just seems like it, you know these are a specific type of shoe that he personally uses they do sponsor his show so he is getting money from it but he talks about the health benefits and then he's he's also been talking about um the brand values of the company so it does seem like you know there almost you could say there is the perfect solution because yeah it's almost like advocacy yeah yeah i don't feel like he's selling out you know, I still respect him. Yeah, it is definitely a lot easier, isn't it, to sort of go partner with an influencer or someone because they get a lot more attention, like celebrities, uh, and it's easier for them to grow, obviously, than than brands are. But I mean, coming back to branded podcasts, we know it's not impossible for brands to do well. I mean, um, for us, pretty little thing, we took them to number one of the podcasting charts. But I guess, you know, since in the last two years, when it was first really, really exciting for brands, and a lot more were joining in, a lot's probably changed. Um, so I guess for brands who are new to podcasting and wanting to to start their own show now what strategies would you recommend that they take um to make the most out of it yeah i mean that's a really good question i, I suppose you, maybe more brands now are thinking about it because the marketing director has started listening to podcasts during um during lockdown and, and has discovered it as a medium and is now wondering whether they can use it as a tool to engage with their mm. audience there's a lot of common sense here really you need to ask yourself is my brand and the story is there enough information there to make it into a podcast that people want to listen to. Mm, yeah. So that's your starting point. What do you want to get out of this? And managing the client's expectations of who might hear it is also really important. I think it is definitely worth exploring because, you know, you talk about the relationship that you can have, but you need to just before you dive in, you really need to sort of, you know, think it through. And then the commitment that it will take because if a brand's going to do it on their own, then they've got to have the people within the business who've got the skills to produce it. 
there's also all the work that goes on behind the scenes, you know, in terms of emails to say, can you do this date? Can you do that date? Trying to put a release pattern together. I think that's another thing is people start to form that relationship with the content you're producing. So if a brand says, you know, every January we're going to bring out a podcast, then I might make a mental note to say, right, I'm going to always make sure I listen, you know. But but if someone brings out a podcast for a couple of episodes and then they just ditch it, and don't bring it back for another year, then you kind of go, oh, I was really enjoying that. And now they've stopped doing it. I'm a bit confused why they've stopped doing it. Yeah, you have to be able to follow through, don't you? I think you made a very good point there and that a lot of people or brands just starting out sometimes underestimate the amount of uh, work that goes into production. And also, like you said, making sure you have enough information. So not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but making sure it's actually worth listening to. Yeah, as ACAST has evolved, we kind of went from helping brands to you know dynamically insert ads into podcast we then moved into creating sponsored reads where the host at the beginning or during the podcast would talk about the brand and then the new area for us is is branded content and then i'm sorry just coming back to Eve, your point around influencers is good it's good to touch on as well actually but the, the branded content space is is where i guess what we're doing is we're helping brands to create you know three or four episode content series which they men, then may go and say brilliant now we're going to actually you know bring that in-house and create our own podcast series, um, or we're creating just an episode that might run within an existing podcast mm, yeah. as a way to test the water. So I think there's a lot of, sort of, you know, test and learn, you know, do a sponsored read, see what impact that has, you know, and then maybe do a sponsored read across several different podcast shows so you can test the, you know, what different podcast shows and what different um audiences do and then with the influencer space only because that was just a call this morning you're absolutely right the influence have that relationship uh, and we're starting to see the influencers are now producing podcasts and first there is also your point around you know people looking at new ways to reach that audience and so instead of using social platform well, or continuing to use social platforms they're then exploring how they can develop and grow that podcast audience. And David, as well as that, in terms of reach and, and whatnot, is there a kind of algorithmic hacking culture in podcasting like you have with social media in terms of that, you know, release so many episodes, you know, you release yeah. so many people and whatnot? It, it's more around just frequency is the key, uh, I think. So if you're creating content that people like, keep giving it to them. That was probably a terrible example when I talked about, you know, once a year, that's terrible. But, you know, we've been working with a client and they were putting content out there. It's a fairly niche uh, vertical there. And so it's a history podcast. And they're like, why aren't we getting more people listening? And so then, you know, at ACAST, we've got a content team. So their job is to help publishers, how they can develop and grow their podcast content. And so we encourage them to look at producing, uh, you know, bring it out with more frequency. So instead of fortnight, they went weekly. And then during lockdown, they're actually producing more than, um, you know, maybe two or three shows a week it might be smaller so it might be say 15 to 30 minutes three times a week but that frequency is certainly helping podcasts to grow their audience and then um you know other strategies uh, around that you know in terms of how you can network awareness of the show cross promotion highlighting it across all social platforms obvious things you'd look to do so that your audience knows there's a there's a new content that you're producing i'm glad you brought that up actually david as well because i just use myself as an example i always feel with yeah. podcasting and maybe i'm you know one of the minority but i feel like the onus is very much on me to find new podcasts that i might like and mm. new episodes mm. and because yeah. of that i've always found discoverability 
ability to be, you know, quite an issue, regardless of, you know, the Jesse Wares and what's in the charts mm. and stuff. Beyond that, mm. I, I, I quite find it hard to find podcasts that I like. I think there's maybe three that I'm really into, whereas I know other people could probably name 20. Yeah. Do you think yeah. discoverability is still an issue? Do you think there's a roadmap to improve that? Yeah, there is. I mean, you know, when you talk about the algorithm and Spotify, you know, they're kind of built around the algorithmic process that, you know, helps you to discover more content that you like. And so, Certainly, there is so much content, it almost does become overwhelming because you say, all right, uh, I'm going to listen to this and you dedicate half an hour to it. And then you're like, oh, it's not really my sort of thing. Whereas you listen to a song, you know, within 20 seconds, you can probably go, yeah, it's not my sort of music. So I think there's definitely a lot of work being done by lots of businesses in terms of how they can use tech to help you to develop that discovery experience. It's also just down to when we were in offices in the water cooler moment, you know, where you would say to a colleague, yeah, I listened to this. And personal endorsement is a brilliant way to discover new content. It really is. It really is. There's a couple of podcasts that, you know, people have mentioned to me. And, you know, I just binged it. It was just fascinating yeah definitely we see people give out personal recommendations like that on social platforms as well things like twitter and their instagram stories which i know you know if i see someone who i follow like an influencer and see they're putting up uh, what they're listening to on their instagram stories it does pique your interest yeah our content team will have meetings with apple with spotify where we will be talking about new podcasts that we've got that then spotify or apple will be interested in you know maybe putting that on their carousel, for example, because it's uh, it's new content. And so having your podcast appear on those sorts of positions within those platforms elevates the podcast because it's then suddenly got a much greater reach. Mm. And what, what do you make of the sort of charts model, David, in terms of uh, podcast charts? Because I know you can get them in categories, but yeah. It strikes me as sometimes being a bit kind of like, a bit like the music charts. It's like, if you don't like pop music, you're not going to like the charts. Can, do you think it can sort <laughs> yeah. of force people yeah. into a bit of a, a kind of pattern maybe? Yeah, we look at the podcast charts, I guess, kind of for endorsement for us in terms of how we're doing as a business. If we see the top 10 in comedy and we're working with nine of them. So I guess it's important for us as a benchmark to see what we're doing. It is useful. I mean, you're right. I have no idea, you know, who's number one. I don't think it really has any relevance in the music charts. Um, but for me, I suppose it would help me in that discovery experience if I was like, right, I really love health and well-being. Um, what are those new? And a top 10 might be a good way to digest it. So it has a place, but if it can be pushed to me, the recommendations, rather than me seeking it out. I think that would make the difference. I mean, especially on Apple. So like they do have those categories, like health and wellness will be in there. Um, but it's very hard to find the top list for that unless you like click in a couple of steps, all you see is like the top 10 overall. But if it's going to be for niche subjects, it's going to be in a niche place, right? Yeah. So it kind of goes against uh, the USP for me to just have your main top 10 mainstream and aren't like sort of highlighting just how many areas of, of topics there are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th I think the thing is, is it's damned hard to do, isn't it, really, I suppose? You know, we, we work with a 10,000 podcast and, you know, there are just to drill down to all that content, like the bird watching one I talked about, you know, that's super important for, for certain people, but it, it wouldn't be something that everyone goes to. So mm, I think Spotify would be like the closest to it, obviously, because they're sort of like rundowns of, you know, like your music taste, your taste breakers, like your year in review, things like that. They tend to know people's song choice pretty well. So it would just be a case of uh, serving people like the right podcasts in a similar way, maybe with playlists. The, the challenge, I suppose, though, is, and I completely agree with you, and, and the scale of the business as well, the money behind that business means they've got a lot they can throw at it. But the way somebody talks about self-improvement 
in one podcast I could really love, but I could listen to another podcast and I could completely be alienated by how they're talking, if that makes sense. But because Spotify knows I like self-improvement podcasts, they might push them both to me, but one I'd love and one I'd hate. It probably comes down to the host, to be honest, doesn't it? So maybe it's like recommendations based on that. Yeah, I mean, hosts in terms of having a profile and also the, the calibre of the guests that you have helps it to, to gain that traction as well. Mm. That brings the credibility back to the podcast. And I guess that draws people in if they see that this famous comedian has got this other famous comedian. Yeah, I think um, I read somewhere be a couple of months ago now that uh, men were more interested in podcasts by guest, going by the guest, and women more interested in like the title or the subject. I mean, David, do you have any data around like what draws people into certain shows? So getting data back is another one of the challenges in the podcast world because 60, 70% of all podcast listening is done through Apple and they don't pass any data back. Whereas off Facebook, you know, you can get so much data and so it's hard to get a true understanding. And that's an area of growth really is where we're trying to sort of really get a deeper understanding of the age and the profile of people who are listening to podcasts. A lot of the podcasts themselves will help us because they'll know their audience through interactions that they have to help us to drill down to the type of people that are listening. But I think if we could open up and have more of that data to hand, that would be really useful. David, we've spoken about uh, Spotify and Apple. Uh, one of the things yeah. I'm surprised about is that Facebook haven't tried to create a podcasting service yet. Um, I mean... <laughs> We're yeah. going to ask you to look into your crystal ball. Could you see a future where Facebook, your TikToks, your, you know, Instagrams, these sort of platforms maybe want to move into podcasting mm-hmm. like they have? Even Twitter now with voice tweets could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the voice tweet thing that has been trialled before. So I think it was called Audio Boo, I think, years ago was where you could just share social audio snippets. Do you know what? Who knows with Facebook, you know, because it's about giving you a platform to talk. So if they were to see audio as being a route to go down, either it's an acquisition strategy and they look to buy a business to bring it in mm. uh, or it's something they develop themselves. And, uh, <laughs> and the, I suppose the one industry that we haven't uh, spoken much about that's obviously, you know, very dominant in audio is radio. Um, yeah. Now, when yeah. we talk about social media, we, we often talk about the sort of social media versus the uh, kind of situation has radio would you say has it has it benefited or has it sort of been hindered by uh podcasting and by increased audio consumption now yeah and it's a great way to talk about how you know businesses are diversifying there is only so many hours you can do so much isn't there really you can't listen to the radio all day you can't listen to podcasts all day there's a limit so we're all kind of vying for people's ears or eyes and the same in the radio world you know the radio world's going through a lot of consolidation so instead of having local stations you've got super regional stations or they just do you it now as a national footprint certainly podcast listening will be eating into radio hours and when you dig into the data you can see that certain audiences are increasing their podcast listening and it's potentially to the detriment of radio listening certainly the younger audience sort of the gen z type audience are maybe steering away from listening to a radio show and listening to a podcast Having said that, what the radio shows are doing is they're then producing their own podcasts. So, you know, the hosts have got their own podcast or they then bring out the best of the week podcast on a Saturday. So the breakfast show host does it Monday to Friday uh, and then they bring a podcast out on a Saturday, which is the best excerpts of the show from Monday to Friday. So this this thing about using all the avenues for that content distribution 
for radio, it opens up new opportunities as well as it posing a threat to their existing sort of traditional audience. I've seen that with other media as well. I mean, I think it was two seasons ago, you know, when Love Island was on, they had a podcast that ran afterwards called The Morning After, sponsored by Kellogg's, which I thought was really good. Yeah, Love Island's a really good example. There were plans, obviously, to do that this year again as an extension. But yeah, obviously that's been put on pause. Mm. It's interesting though to see how like it can have a relationship podcasting with with like other uh, channels or media. Yeah, look at it as complementary, really. I suppose with things like Love Island, it's like a, I'm a celebrity. When that started, obviously it was you know ITV's flagship show, and then they brought out Celebrity Extra. I forget what it was called exactly on ITV Two, as there was this thirst for more knowledge about the show. The real fans of the show will be looking for whatever content they can find that they, uh, that, that you can put out there. So, yeah, the Love Island with the podcast is another good example. And I suppose the thing about podcasting is it's super versatile, isn't it? You can do it wherever. Yeah, I mean, I know like the immediate thing is to sort of compare it uh, to radio, as Theo has said, which was like a big concern initially, I think. But I don't know, for me recently, I think it's like posing more of a threat to YouTube, especially since like Spotify and video podcasts and things like no, you've just reminded me about ITV, people looking out for extra content. They normally do that on YouTube to see clips and stuff. And now it feels like podcasting sort of filling that space more and more. It's interesting, actually, because we're looking to create our own podcast content. But predominantly what we're about is helping creators to grow and monetize their content. And so we just started working with the Lad Bible group, how we can develop and help them with monetizing their podcast content. Brilliant platform, amazing content. And a lot of that is served via YouTube or, or Facebook. But now what we're looking to do is is how we can take maybe what might have been a YouTube concept and turn it into a podcast idea. Mm-hmm. The, the burning question I have for you, David, is one that everybody asks me. If we were to start a podcast tomorrow, what are you? what is your greatest chance of success? Is it the fact that you honestly need to find a niche now even within these massive sort of uh, content pillars mm. like true crime for instance yeah so if you've got a desire to do it then you should give it a go because it is so easy but if you if you really want to make a go of it then you've just got to pick something you're passionate to do and i think if you're passionate and you can talk with authority and share that knowledge back with people who really appreciate what they're learning from you and what they get how it helps them how it makes them feel then you will succeed within that vertical that you are in. Now, if it's super niche, it's only ever going to be a few thousand people who listen to you. But if you manage to get a few thousand in a really niche vertical, then that means you're a massive success. Yeah, it's like how many out of those thousand are like really, really engaged. Yeah. And I suppose also, like we've touched on, we've talked about brands having a strategy, you know, thinking it out before you start. Okay, so this is how my season's going to look. This is my release pattern these are the people I'm going to line up before. Because if you do launch something, for whatever reason, first two episodes, people are clamouring all over it, and then you've got nothing for two months, you won't have kept them. They'll have gone somewhere else. Follow your passion, but plan it out as well. I think think that comment on a sustained kind of release schedule definitely rings true. I know Ollie keeps us to a a tight (laughs) shit when it comes to the podcast (laughs) schedule. and uh, Yeah. I think also the length of it as well has an impact, sort of frequency and the length of the show. Don't put out your first podcast and it's three hours long. I think that's Um, a great point as well, especially something that we've seen um, over time as well, you know, hitting that sweet spot. I guess it's different for everybody, uh, which is uh, is. much like the... uh, podcasting discussion that we've had that it will be different for every person every listener yeah and you you can see drop off rates and things like that it'll help you to refine test and learn again you know put one out that's 15 minutes long put one out that's an hour long and get 
feedback from people, obviously, like anything. Test and learn. I think that's the best way to sum up this uh, conversation. <laughs> David, we'll leave it there. Um, thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you. So really glad we could make it happen. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 